0: Welcome to the Baxtonia Podcast, a podcast about life and faith by Kevin Baxter. You will find more resources, downloads, and be able to support the podcast by exploring baxtonia.com. Our podcast today is about Zacchaeus climbing the tree to see the Lord. It's a story about us getting above the crowd, getting above the din, that we might see what the Lord has to teach us. A reading from the New Revised Standard Edition of the Bible, Luke 19, verses 1-10. through He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of the one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor and if i have defrauded any anyone of anything i will pay back four times as much today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of abraham for the son of man came to seek out and to save the lost i have a question for you today and that question is when you read the bible Do you ever actually picture yourself in the story? Some people do, and some people don't. You don't have to feel guilty if you don't do it. A lot of people read it, and there's a weird disconnect. They don't actually put themselves in it. They just kind of hear a story. But sometimes, when I read the Bible, I really try and imagine myself There And this is actually much easier, I think, in the days of modern television, because you have all these people who actually make movies of biblical scenes and so forth. (laughs) But some of those scenes may not be accurate, and I'm not talking about anachronisms like a Volkswagen bug being in the background or an airplane flying overhead. This happened in some of the older movies before we could just digitally erase things. I'm talking about how every time there's a movie that has a big crowd, there are tons of them. It doesn't need to be Jesus, it can be Braveheart or anything else. There's always a person who's giving this big triumphant speech in a crowd and everyone can hear just fine. Everyone hears perfectly. In a time without microphones, everyone can hear uniform volume and here's the message, and everybody can see, and everybody understands. And I can't help, whenever, whenever I read the stories of Jesus preaching, I can't help but think of a Monty Python movie. <laughs> and in that movie, the Sermon of the Mount is being delivered, and the, the people at the back of the crowds hear, blessed are the cheesemakers. And then they get into a theological argument because someone says, cheesemakers, what's so special about cheesemakers? And somebody else says, well, I don't think he means cheesemakers per se. I think he means the purveyor of any dairy product. (laughs) We all know these types of arguments. The crowd, during these times, have difficulty hearing. People have back talk. It's hard to hear. It can be hard to understand what's what's being said. So when I picture myself in the story, don't get me wrong, I'm not picturing myself as being Jesus or being Zacchaeus. I'm picturing myself as just a person standing there. And I'm thinking of the plight of Zacchaeus. And this, I don't think this very often, so I appreciate when the Bible gives me insight. I rarely say to myself, I'm too short, I can't see. I'm 6'3", 6'4". I don't have a problem seeing things normally. But the Bible... Talked about not being able to see. Here Zacchaeus comes, works his way through this crowd of people who all know him. He's a pretty well-known guy. He knocks on your door once a year, or probably more back then, and says, give me your money. Everyone knows Zacchaeus. He's not well-loved. So here's a man who's not well-loved, trying to fight his way through this crowd to see the Lord. He sees a tree has an idea, and decides that he's gonna climb the tree so he can see Jesus. Now the other thing, this is a a great rule, if you climb a tree so you can see, guess who can see you? Everyone else can see you. Here's a person who is one of the most disliked people who honestly, going to this, I'm gonna call it a rally, going to this rally, He's going to be viewed by all these people who dislike him. It takes not only a desire to see the Lord, but it takes courage. It takes incredible courage to climb that tree for a chance to see the Lord. And then the Lord calls him down by name and invites him to his house. Uh, Invites himself to his house. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Now, here's the thing. The Bible, I always like to picture this. Why are certain things used in the Bible versus other things? Because Zacchaeus, in order to get a line of sight to the Lord, could have crawled his way through the crowd to the front row. He could have climbed a ladder. He could have stood on a house. He could have stood on someone's shoulders. When the story is written, anything, if what's important is that Zacchaeus could see God anything would work. So why a tree? Zacchaeus climbed a tree and I would argue Zacchaeus climbed a tree for a reason. In scripture we hear lots about trees and I think about this where do we hear various words where do we hear very phrases throughout the Bible and we hear tree very early and very late. Trees are essential in scripture The first trees that we hear of are the things that give the food to Adam and Eve. They can eat of any of the trees, any of the fruit, but one. And at the end of the Bible, we have a passage, which is, again, it's one of my favorite biblical passages at the end. when It talks about the tree, again, singular, the tree of life growing on both sides of the river. I'm still trying to figure out how that works. It's a pretty amazing tree that has a river that runs through it. But we hear about both of these trees. And while I'm sure there are plants and shrubs and grasses in the Garden of Eden, and there are lots of stories about trees in the Old Testament, I want to go forward to one that's always disturbed me, a comment about a tree that isn't producing fruit. And does anyone know what Jesus does to that tree? Jesus curses a tree for not giving fruit. So here's my question. Do you think the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do you think the tree that Jesus curses, do you think the tree in the book of Revelation is just a tree? Almost all people who are scholars who do biblical research say, no, these are not just trees. These trees mean something. And I would argue that that tree that Zacchaeus climbed up, the tree that he lifted himself into each branch, is not just a tree. It is not merely a story about getting a better vista. So here we have Zacchaeus in a tree. We're not talking about cursed agriculture. We are not talking about proper dietary habits. We are not talking about anything that we think of in this world when we think of a tree. We are talking about an individual who acknowledges something. When Adam and Eve bite into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they are cast into a life of difficulty. Is that because they broke a dietary rule? Is it because they had a candy bar when they shouldn't have? No. No one thinks this. The reason why is they have a knowledge of being able to put themselves before God. They have the ability to say, I am more important than God. Guess what happens when you claim to be more important than God? Life gets hard. Not because God is cursing you, not because God is punishing you, but because your desire to do what God doesn't want you to do makes life very hard. All of these trees, that tree that doesn't produce fruit is not a tree. It's talking about a person who refuses to live by God's love. And when you refuse to live by God's love, you don't make the difference in the world that you were created to live. You're cursed because you don't have meaning in the way that God created you. And that tree at the end of the The book about the tree on both sides of the river, that's a picture, a powerful picture of a person who's imbued with a sense of God's love flowing from them into the world. Zacchaeus climbed a tree to get above the crowd. In this story, the crowd starts yelling about how evil Zacchaeus is. But we know as readers that's not true. Zacchaeus is not the bad one. The bad one is the crowd. The crowd, which in theory is there to hear the words of Christ, does not climb the tree, possibly has some people trying to discuss the finer points of cheese making in the back. We don't know. The crowd, as we hear in Swedenborg's reading, they're there, but they're just there in body maybe. Zacchaeus is there with his whole being. He's willing to climb the tree. He's willing to have things thrown at him. He's willing to fall out of it. He's willing to risk a lot in order to see the Lord. In a book I've been reading recently, and this is a little bit of a digression, I guess, but some of you may know uh, Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Church. It was very popular about 15 years ago. Still gets some circulation now. So it was very big in the Christian movement about how churches need to be imbued with a purpose that keeps God's love continually recreating in the world. A beautiful concept. Well, this individual did a play on the word and and was talking, the individual who wrote the book, his name is Tom Rainier, and he contrasted it using the preference-driven church, Now the preference driven church is a church, it's all about individuals coming there because they want the church to give them what they want. They want the church to solve their problem. They want the church to meet their need. They want the church to do what they want it to do. It's kind of like taking that bite out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When we come to church and we expect church to be about our desires, and we expect church to be about the things that we want, what we are actually doing is saying that we are more important than God. We're doing what the crowd was doing when they looked up at Zacchaeus and said, how dare you, Jesus? How dare you invite that man into your inner circle? They didn't know the heart of Zacchaeus. They didn't know that Zacchaeus had climbed that tree because he was transformed. And there's an interesting thing if you actually go into the Greek of the story, it always uses the past tense in English, talking about how, or no, the future tense, talking about how Zacchaeus is going to do all this. The actual language does not have tense in it. It talks about how Zacchaeus has done this. One could even argue that Zacchaeus at this point is reformed is doing what he's supposed to be doing and is still being attacked by the crowd. And the crowd does not have the charity and the faith to see Zacchaeus for who he really is. A preference-driven church looks inward to what it is that the members want. A purpose-driven church looks outward to how they can share love and the gospel in the world. I'm not here to diagnose churches. I like to diagnose myself. And I hope that my own self-diagnosis is meaningful to you. And I'm not going to use any kind of a church analogy and sense of this is what I think a church can be. I'm going to talk, and for anybody who went to class this morning, I'm sorry for repeating stories, but you read one story, it sticks in your head. I'm going to talk about a man who was a Christian who woke up one morning on an autumn day, it was cold, and the rain was getting to him, and he, he walked, and he sat down in his hard seat, and he sang when he was supposed to say, sing, and he, he was there in a joyous spirit. And when the game was over, his team had won, and he went home, and he didn't go to church the next day because it was raining. The point being, we make choices in our life, day-to-day choices, where we preference our own self above our relationship to God. And then we wonder why our life is difficult. We wonder why we face difficult challenges. There are studies that show that going to church, that having faith, that being loving, that caring about other people actually make you healthier and happier, better than any pharmacy, better than any health insurance company can give you, and yet people don't do it because we continually choose to take a bite of the apple rather than eating the fruit that God gives us. We continue to blame Zacchaeus for being a horrible person because we ourselves are not willing to take the steps to gain the understanding, to grow in love, to look at the Lord and see how we are supposed to live. What the Lord teaches us is very clear, it's servanthood and leadership, not force. God is pretty powerful, I don't know if you know that or not. God's a pretty powerful guy, or girl, woman, I'm not. God is powerful, God could have come down here like people were expecting in Jesus' day as a military king to conquer and wipe out everything, but God didn't come in that fashion, why? Because being forceful, making other people do what you want them to do, not caring about other people's thoughts and other people's feelings, is not what God is about. God came as a servant. Humility and love are what define our Lord. Zacchaeus climbing above the crowd was not... Climbing above just a view. He was climbing above a world of selfishness that's directed towards people getting their own way. He was climbing above an understanding of it has to be my way or no way. He was climbing so that people, so that he would be able to see the Lord. And ultimately, the end of the story, that people would understand That servant leadership is about giving what you have. And I'm not talking about dollars and cents. I'm talking about your energy and your life to what's really important. I'm talking about climbing up a tree because it means you're doing the right thing. Climbing up a tree because it means that you're willing to actually hear what God has to say. So many times in our lives, we shut our ears down to what God has to say. We shut our ears down in a very simple way. We shut our ears down by saying, I am not going to listen to the person who is sitting next to me. I am not going to listen to another person's point of view because there's nothing that that person has to offer me. That's taking a bite out of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil and preferring the taste of yourself to that of God's love. So throughout this week, I encourage us all to take our opportunities today, tomorrow, and the next, to take the opportunity to climb the tree to hear the word of God, and that is through listening to the person next to you. That is through having humility for their experiences, for understanding that their life maybe faced a challenge that yours did not. It's caring about why the person thinks what they think, not whether or not they're right. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Baxtonia Podcast. The podcast is available on iTunes or by going to Baxtonia.com where you can find other resources and support the podcast.